0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Running Effect Podcast with Dominic Schlider. I'm your host, Dominic, and today I am joined by the one and only Anna Alakon. Anna is a brand communications lead at on I'm sure many of you guys have heard of on running they are one of the biggest running shoe companies in the world she's been with the company for over three years now and has been a part of the company's massive growth and Anna also finished her first marathon at the 2023 New York City Marathon just less than a month ago today's episode was such an awesome opportunity to have a really unique conversation about the brand side of one of the biggest running shoe companies in the world I've wanted to do this for quite some time obviously most of my episodes So it's a very athlete centric. And so I wanted to branch out a little bit, have a little more of a unique conversation and kind of get an inside look at what it's like working for one of the biggest running shoe companies in the world. Anna takes me through the marketing side of the storytelling of a company and so much more. I was particularly interested to hear about marketing the OAC and some of the more um, like pro athlete side of things, how to, how to market them and sell shoes. In this episode, Anna also goes through her personal story, her experience at the NYC marathon, her future ambitions, and so much more. I hope you guys enjoy this one as much as we did having it. My only note for you before we hop into it is if you enjoy today's episode, consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple podcast. With all of those notes aside, I hope you all enjoy my conversation with the one and only Anna Alakan Anna Alakan welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this morning?
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am doing great.
0: We were talking a little bit before recording, so we got to bring this up. This week that we're recording is Thanksgiving. And as I mentioned to you, I believe you were vegan. So I asked you about it and you were talking about how much you love the food. So give the people what you have on Thanksgiving from a vegan edition.
1: That is, uh, I, I find very interesting that a lot of people don't know that there's like a vegan turkey. It's called, the brand is called Toe and it's actually based out of Oregon um if anyone's vegan or vegetarian they've probably had it before but it's literally this kind of like ham version of like turkey and it's like has like the stuffing inside and it has like a gravy that you can put on and it's delicious i think it's really good i think it's the best one out there there's a few other brands that do it their own way but i think the original the fricky is the best one and you can do everything vegan i mean brussels sprouts are pretty easy to bake and put like some glazing over mashed potatoes is really like really easy. There's like vegan butter now and like basically any margarine is vegan um we love baking stuff too and i am very thankful that i have two three really good friends that do recipe developing and create food for a living so they're amazing cooks <laughs> and we tend to go to the house for thanksgiving or like christmas stuff so we get to eat really good food that they create um but a lot of the stuff is the same like stuffing can be like vegan everything um yeah pies can be like vegan um, i think we are very lucky that we live in a era where like vegan food is really accessible and you just get creative you can get really creative but the top four key is a winner i can't wait to eat it i us- we usually buy like two or three just to like keep it for after Thanksgiving because they only sell it around this time of the year So we keep extras for like, you know, the next year.
0: (laughs) For your job, I know you travel all the time, both within the U.S., but more specifically, even like throughout Europe and the world. Is there a particular country or instance where it's been extremely hard to eat vegan?
1: Uh, France is (laughs) so hard. Like Paris is really easy and like the bigger cities is really easy. But I've been very lucky to go to Chamonix and the areas around Chamonix, which is the southeast or... So, yeah, kind of like central southeast of France, which is closer uh, to Switzerland and that small town, it's so hard, <laughs> uh, especially for like dinners, uh, like breakfast and lunch is quite easy. But after everything's closed and, you know, you have like the pizzerias open or like the restaurants open, um, they just don't have a lot of options. And during UTMB is really, there's a lot of international people there. So they tend to be a little bit nicer to like stop things and change things around. Uh, but my French is not really good. So trying to speak French and telling them that I don't want fromage and like cheese or whatever, they get, yeah, the French, I, I love them. And sometimes I'm like, you guys need to be more flexible, <laughs> but I understand it's their culture is fine. Uh, but yeah, smaller towns in France is really hard. Um, and then I can be, you know if it has a little butter i'm like whatever i can't taste it i'm fine but i'm just gonna look the other way and i'm just gonna eat it especially after you're hiking for like you know 12 hours and you're like starving um that was really hard and then everywhere else is honestly very easy i think every main major city has multiple options now um which is pretty cool yeah.
0: You mentioned to me as well before we started recording that, I think you said you're doing a turkey trot on Thursday with your husband. Who's going to win out of the two of you? And does it get competitive? Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) No, we don't. I would, okay, I only get competitive when we go out on like our easy runs. And every time we have like 200 meters to go, I like, I go all out. For some reason, I had to finish like a sprint and he gets annoyed. But he's way faster than me. Like we just did a marathon and he like, Did it an hour faster than I did. So uh, he's just like naturally a good runner and I'm not, but it's fine. We like running.
0: (laughs) Let's talk about that marathon, the New York City Marathon. It was your first marathon. I know the experience was remarkable for you. So take us through what that experience was like, the decision to do it and ultimately race day and everything that unfolded.
1: Yeah, it was actually my second marathon. uh, But I kind of don't count the first one because I didn't train for it. I went from like going, doing like three to four miles every other day to a month before the marathon, trying to do 16. <laughs> it was very painful. So for this one, I was like, I never want to do any other marathon again, unless I get a beep to a major marathon and I don't have to qualify or, you know, do this crazy thing to get a beep. And thankfully for my job, I know a lot of people in the industry and someone last year, I was just joking around. I was saying this as like, Oh, i will only run it if you know someone gives me a beep and like and i'm like this is never gonna happen to me like this is not and then she was like we actually have like a ton of beeps you want one and i was like i can't say no to this (laughs) (laughs) you know there's like thousands of people applying to run the new york city marathon like this person is just gonna give me a beep yes um so i got a beep and i trained Way more this time than last time. So it's pretty cool. But the whole experience was just magical. I mean, the first 16 miles are the best, I think, just because it's mostly flat, but it's also like really crowded. Um, and then I got delivered a bit of speech and that was really painful. But just like seeing people that I knew was super cool. Um, we have a really cool team at On. and But by the time I passed, there were all of them who were still there. And it was just incredible. It's just, I think everyone should experience the New York City Marathon. Like running it it was just an incredible day like the whole thing was just it's just crazy to think about Fifty thousand people are doing this with you it was just so cool and then at some point someone like sprayed me with like the freezing into you to stop like feeling <laughs> your muscles and i just couldn't feel anything so it was great i was in so much pain i just couldn't feel anything and the crowds at central park were just so much fun I was giving high fives to people. People screamed your name, I have my name on my t-shirt. Um, I would only do it again because of the crowds. It was, and the day was perfect. Like, the weather was perfect. Like everything, it was a really, really cool day and Helena Beery won. So that just made it like even better of a special day. Um, yeah, it was just incredible. I think in the moment I was like, I'm never doing this again. But like now reflecting back, I could, if I get a chance, I will do it every year. It was so much fun.
0: For those that don't know, part of what makes the New York City Marathon super unique is it goes through the five boroughs. Uh, each borough. What was your favorite borough, and what made it most memorable?
1: Uh, I think my favorite was definitely going through Brooklyn. Uh, there was a part in Williamsburg where, like, a lot of microworkers were, and that was like there was so many people that you barely could pass through. Um, and I think that was so cool because, like, there's so many fans just trying to get into the middle and you're like literally like let me pass. This is crazy, but it was so much fun. I really liked that. The Bronx was so much fun too because that's the moment where like everyone's dead. That's like around mile nineteen twenty, yeah, around mile 19 mile twenty, and that's when you need the people the most. And I remember this um, NYPD woman, uh, like the New York City Police Department. Um, she was like screaming like so much, and she kept saying, "You can do hard things. Let's go!" And I just like really brought me back to live, um and then central park once i got to i think it was mile 24 and you have like two miles to go and it was also like so crowded people left to right you could barely go through and at that point most of most people are like barely jogging like they're like so dead but i couldn't feel my legs i had that spray so i was flying through the people <laughs> and the crowds were going crazy like as soon as i see someone going a little bit faster they were screaming my name and giving me high fives i think that was the the most memorable too that i'm like yeah that part of brooklyn and living of the bronx and central park was like so much fun i want to do it i just wanted to i wish i had a camera with me and i could just like see that again
0: we'll get into your start in the sport in a little bit but as someone who didn't necessarily grow up in the sport of running and got a later start into it what are the weirdest what what were the like weirdest things that you realized that runners do as you got into the sport? There are all sorts of weird things, from eating as many carbs as possible the night before to like whatever their daily ritual of putting one sock on before the other. Like, what what is the weirdest thing that stood out to you?
1: Uh, I think eating gels is gross, <laughs> <laughs> and I think the other one is like how obsessed runners are with running. Like they're just obsessed about everything, like the tech of the shoe, the, how the t-shirt fits, like all these little things that we all now have as well, like, no, this is the t-shirt that I wear, this is the shorts that I wear, I cannot try anything new, like all these little things of how obsessed they are with everything, like their splits, like what are they eating? If that, they just so much goes into it. And I think um, like, you guys are crazy. Like it's fine if you miss a mile and they're like, no. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> chill (laughs) but like now I get it I'm like yeah yeah I get that
0: let's go back in time to your start in the sport take me through your first impressions of the sport of running and what that transition into the sport was like for you
1: yeah so I started running as like cross training when I was in high school because I was a dancer and then it has been like an on and off relationship and I started running again in college and then after college um, and the first time I've only done four races in my whole life like that's all i've done in my life um and the first time we were going to melbourne australia with some of our my husband is from australia so we went to see his family a lot of our friends were raising money for the melbourne Half marathon and the marathon and they were like you should do something too and i was like cool i'll do the 10k and i remember the the whole race ritual of like eating the pasta the day before and like you know making sure that you get up early get a coffee in the morning do like all that business and like getting into the line and like all this stuff and i thought that was like super fun i remember seeing like i'm from mexico and i remember seeing a mariachi band on the course and i choked a little bit i was like i think i'm gonna cry like all the emotions are running and you finish on this massive stadium so that was like a super cool experience and then from there i started really following long distance mostly so i follow a lot of the marathons I used to live in Boston, so I was able to come and watch the Boston Marathon. Like, it's a huge thing. And I remember vividly when Splinton won and getting really to be more familiar with those American long distance runners, especially on the women's side, um, and just kind of really getting into that. And then when I started working here on, that was really when I was like, I really need to know everything about this sport. Like, I can't work here and not know this whole thing. And, um, in the track and field especially and that was super cool to start learning about all the stories and you know these people that have been running for their whole life and how the transition from middle school high school to college to then pro running and uh the ins and outs of the sport um i find it fascinating i think at the end of the day it's just storytelling and telling people people's like background and getting you know people to get to be involved about like the person just not just like numbers on, on the track. Um, and that's what I, what it got me. And I mean, I'm a huge sports fan in general. Like I love watching a bunch of sports. And I think the one thing that I usually go back to is the history and the story of a team or their team members. And um, that's how I really got into running. Like I wanted to know everything about Deslin then. And then I heard that Molly was living in Boston. I'm like, Oh, I want to know about this Molly girl that is also a barista living in Boston. And it has like this huge potential, like, I wanted to know their story first, and I think that's quite unique in the sport. Like, there's so many cool stories out there that keeps um, you join you back to it and getting to follow them when they're we know when they're racing.
0: If you were to have a conversation and sit down with younger Anna who is a dancer and said, "One day you'll work for one of the biggest shoe companies in the world," what were what would her uh, response be?
1: <laughs> I think she would be like, "What are you talking about? Uh, my dream was to work at a." big publication magazine or like a consumer brand. Like my dad used to work at Unilever for a while. So I thought that's what I was going to go to, to work at Unilever, um, which is a brand that owns most of the consumer products that you have at home, like um, from like Nor, like the spices or like Pantene, like the shampoos people use. Um, they own most of the consumer products um, out there. Um, so I, I didn't think, I think if anything, I would have been working at like a soccer company. Like, cause we grew up watching like football, uh, soccer. I was like, that's probably what I would be doing if there's anything with sports. But um, no, I would be like, you're joking. <laughs> <laughs> I would never be working for a running company. Like why people do that for fun? Like that was punishment for me in high school. Like no way. So you
0: were though interested in like communication just in a different sector. Where did that interest come from?
1: Yeah, so my brother's friend's mom, when we were in high school, she, she still works there. She works at this newspaper in, in our city, which is like the biggest newspaper, um, in the state. And then it has like their own version of different in different states. Um, and she was always at like putting like super cool events and going to, you know, going to the latest like sport thing. And she was doing all this stuff. And I didn't really know that what she was doing was PR. I had no idea that had a name. And I remember I was in high school and we got to hang out with them a lot. And I was like, I want to be like her. She looks like fun and she looks like she knows a lot of people. Like she's putting all this stuff together. Like it looked very flashy and it drew me. Cause like she really, I don't know, she had a lot of connections, but like she was telling these school stories and she was putting these events. And I was like, what is that about? And I remember asking her, like, if I want to do what you do, what do I need to study? Like, what should I go to school for? And she was like, well, you could do communication so you can do PR, but I would recommend doing a marketing degree and just go very broad and then go from there. Um, so that's what I did in school because I always really like advertising. I like, you know, like going through magazines back in the day. I used to love I remember like Team Vogue when the first like came with a blog um, and they had like a blog and they were like, I remember like uh, Charlie XCX was one of the first like singers that had like their playlist in there and I remember like going to blogs very like millennial like you know Facebook was starting to be a thing so I was like really into like all of that um I wanted to know how they were advertising all this stuff and I didn't want to do advertising per se but I was like I'll, I'll do marketing so yeah it's always been like an interest I find fascinating how we get the information and who's creating that behind the scenes like Like, it's cool to be the face of it, but like, I really want to know who thought about that behind the scenes and what was the purpose. Um, And they, I mean, the Super Bowl commercials were always like super cool for me to see and like all the sponsors and like the soccer t-shirts. I'm like, who are these people? Like, um, yeah, so I always always had like that, I don't know, like curiosity of like, who's doing, who's making those decisions behind the scenes and how they're thinking about that. Um, Yes, I remember asking her and she was like, yeah, go for marketing. So that's what I did.
0: How much do you think what you do today needed the college degree and that experience versus how much of do you think what you do today has merely been learning on the job that's prepared you for what you're doing?
1: I think it's, mm, I always struggle because I don't think, I don't think people need a college degree to do what I do. I think you need the industry knowledge, like the lingo that marketing uses. You have to learn that somewhere. So whether that is reading through marketing brew newsletter or learning it in school. I think the one beneficial thing about going to school was to be able to create case studies and solving those case studies and then presenting your ideas. So you get all those skills that it will be really hard to learn in the job because you supposed to already have those things when you come into a job. Uh, but with that being said, I think you can learn a lot. I've learned so much in the job just because marketing has changed so much in the past 10 years. So when I first when I mean, when I was in college, um, I'm going to age myself so much in here. Uh, when I was in college, I we just had Facebook and there weren't even, Facebook ads were not a thing. So companies were not even using ads on Facebook yet. Um, influencers were not a thing, like social media influencers were not a thing. Obviously, football players were some sort of influencers, um, you know, actors were some sort of influencers, but like the influencer world was not use in the lingo of marketing there was not influencer marketing departments at all um so a lot of that stuff you kind of learn you had to learn in the job by doing and kind of understanding trends and follow trends i mean instagram didn't exist tiktok didn't exist twitter like all these like social media apps didn't exist um so it was a bit different so a lot of the stuff that i learned in school is very outdated now because we don't use a lot of those things a lot of the money doesn't go to media anymore it goes to like all different kind of medias Um, but i was able to build these case studies and learn all these behind the scenes of what a business could look like, even how to create a budget, how to manage budgets. like, And you can learn all this stuff at work as well. I don't think you need to go to school. I just see like, could be a beneficial maybe having some sort of one or two year course on what a specific thing it is. And I see that on the everyday. I'm like, okay, if you want to do PR, maybe go in like a six month course somewhere to learn all the behind the scenes of PR and the basics of PR or read a book on something, multiple books about it, and then apply it. Um, I think that's the only reason. But I think the college, and we can get into this another day, but how much money people are spending in college in the U.S. is ridiculous. And you don't necessarily have to um, if you know what to get the information from.
0: Take me through your journey of joining On and kind of the process of growing with the company.
1: Yeah, so I actually came on to On over three years ago now, like three years and almost three years and a half now. Um, and I came to on through customer service. It was right in the middle of COVID. I've lost, I had like a freelance work and I've lost all my clients. Um, and I was like, I really need a job. <laughs> no one is hiring right now. I don't know what to do. So I came through on cause I was working with one of the marketing girls at on. And I was like, I need a job. And she was like, we're not hiring and marketing at all. Uh, we we'll probably want for. A year or so, just because how things are with COVID, everything's closed. Um, and one of my neighbors actually saw an opening through the customer service. They needed someone that spoke Spanish. And I was like, that's me. And I thought of, like, I think egos go out of the window every time I work. Like, I know I have all this experience in marketing, but like, I don't care. One, I need a job. And two, I know that once I'm in, I'll figure it out. I just need an in in the company. So I applied for the customer service job, I got a job. And I started literally answering phones, on live chat, on emails, like helping customers. At the time, On was booming or still is, I guess, but like it was a huge shift from like January 2020 to June 2020. Like the growth of On was, I mean, still is, but it was like insane. Like, you know, we I remember like talking to my colleagues that were there before me saying like, yeah, we'll probably, you know, sell X amount of shoes. Now we're selling 10 times more within like a couple months of difference. I think the running industry really boom during COVID even more than it has in the past. So I think it was a combination of like, you know, having an ego and working whatever I need to work in the company and being at the right time at the right place when the company was really kind of going crazy. When I first started, there was a marketing team, obviously in the global team and in North America, but they didn't really have a person to do performance running in comms, neither on influencer marketing or partnerships or media at all. We had like one person doing all the PR, which is my boss, and she had to do all of it like corporate comms, crisis management, running comms, uh, lifestyle comms, like everything. So she really wanted to hire someone that could take on this whole performance thing. That's when also the OAC was born. So there was a lot of very heavy running, running stuff that we needed in the comp space. Um, I didn't even apply for the job. I was looking for something different at on. But she DM me on Instagram, which I always find super funny. She was like, Oh, I you should apply for this job. And I knew her through you know, the office, because uh, we've met at the office a few times. And this is like maybe seven months in at on. Um, and I was like, Oh, I don't really have like traditional PR experience. Like I've done mostly influencer marketing and ambassadorships and different kind of events marketing and she was like i think you should still apply i think that you really know a lot of the space and like let's just have a chat and i was like okay so i applied for it we went through the whole interview process again um and she's like i just don't want someone that does traditional pr we don't need that we have an agency for that we need someone that is able to take on all the performance side of on and the outdoor space are on. You obviously like the sport. You like the outdoors. like You have that knowledge already. And we just need someone to do this, you know, completely. Um, So after a few interviews, um, I got a job, which is kind of crazy. And it's been over two years now. Um, And yeah, I've been kind of the person that has helped build the storytelling around athletes, which is that includes the OAC. um, And also like they launch campaigns for like, the Cloud Monster or like the Cloud Omega three, like all those very, we call them performance running, dedicated running shoes. Um, and also a little bit on the outdoor space. So like trail running, hiking space. Um, and that's gonna be now two years of, you know, being a little bit of doing that to like fully own the whole, the whole performance spot, which is pretty exciting.
0: Do you feel like, I mean, I I think someone in your current role, a lot of times the journey to get there looks a lot different than where you started. Do you feel like it almost helped you though, starting at the customer service level and being in contact with the everyday on customer so that now in a higher role, you kind of understand the customer better than a lot of people would in your role because you got that experience of talking with them, I mean, probably thousands of people over the seven months. So
1: many. A hundred percent. I think everyone should go through the customer service team, at least for a month in their journey. Um, you learn so much from who our consumer is actually is, who is actually buying the shoes and the apparel, uh, who are we actually talking to. Um, but also you learn a bit of the processes behind the scenes of the company. So like a lot of the operations side of things that in marketing you don't really see. Um, and I think that really broads your mind into a possible future position. Like if you felt able to move into like a more broad marketing position, like handling a region or like a whole team that you really understand how to work with sales and operations because you already have that experience. Um, I think also gives, especially for someone coming out of, you know, being young or I had experience before, but I can see someone that is young or like getting right out of college or like, you know, maybe they're, 20 or like they really they don't they lack a bit of the structure that teaches you a lot of structure because you have times and deadlines and like very specific um goals that you have to achieve so i think that's a good skill to learn and then move to something different um i think also because i was already in the company it's a little bit easier to meet sorry my husband's background background for it oh no you're totally uh, again. <laughs> um it's good for people to learn um just to meet people within the company. I think that gives anyone a big step up and also shows that you have, I don't know, like you really want to be there. Like, it's not, you're just there for a paycheck. You're not just there for like the year and see what happens. I think starting through customer survey was probably the best I could have done to start on. Um, yeah. Tell me a lot. I've met a really cool people. And um, I think there's in every company, there's a lot of potential at the customer service, um, like teams. There's a lot of people that just try to get into the door and there's been so many successful stories at ON that people decided through, um, you know, customer relations and then moving into other departments. But even within the customer service team, we have incredible people that have ground the company into what it is now. And I think, um, yeah, I think everyone should do that.
0: (laughs) I'm so curious. So when you started at ON three and a half years ago, that's I probably heard about the company a little bit before then, but that's when I got my first pair of shoes. It would have been cross country 2020. And I very remember vividly one of my teammates, I was wearing them to practice. And one of my teammates was like, Oh, I saw those, you know, uh, down South in Florida for vacation. Like all the dads were wearing them. And it was very much viewed as the shoe that like, I feel like, um, people would wear just casually, or again, as displayed by my teammate. Like he was like, "You can run in them." I'm like, "Yeah, it's a running shoe company." So for you in your journey within the company, what's it been like to be a part of? But more specifically, see uh, from the inside and outside the growth of the company from just like a very top of the line shoe to one of the best running shoes uh, in the world. It's
1: been. I think we forget when you're in what it has been like. I think when we're in we we are very critical of what our work and what we do. So you kind of forget what people think about it sometimes, but it's been incredible to be able to help grow the company and like make people realize that we are a performance and innovation company first, um, and then everything else, you know, falls into that. Um, it's, it's been crazy, honestly, seeing like, I don't remember we always make a joke at work that if you saw anyone in Portland wearing a pair of socks from on shoes from on and like a hat you know they work for the company or like they're the spouses of someone at the company or like their friends from other company that's not the case anymore and it's kind of crazy like going through Europe this summer and like seeing them in all types of people that was like a huge eye-opening um I went to Mexico City too and seen it everywhere and like in runners especially not just like casual that was kind of like oh my god yes we are we're growing a lot and we're making an impact and what we choosing does matter a lot um so it's been just like kind of while it's a really fast growing company so a lot of the things that we do is kind of like we're reacting to a lot of things and we get into a point that it's been pretty fun to like actually well starting to plan even more you know long term and like how we want to see ourselves in other regions and stuff um it's been, I don't know, it's been incredible. I think I've been using word incredible like a million times today, but um, it's, it's just super cool to see the growth and the athletes that we have performing incredibly. And they're the best storytellers, storytellers for us. I think they're the ones that really solidify the brand and the technology of the shoe. And also how far the shoes have come from the cloud that first came out to even now having the club on Echo 3, it's pretty crazy, like how much we have the team has evolved and grows so fast to change the shoe is, um, the shoes is pretty cool. Yeah.
0: You've mentioned the word storytelling a bunch in this conversation. What does storytelling mm-hmm. mean to you? And more specifically, what does that look like in the context of the athlete and the product?
1: Yeah, I think for me is telling a person or a brand or a company kind of, for lack of a better word, story, like who they are, like their DNA of them um, and how we want the public to perceive that, right? I think how we want them to know about you, if we wanna think about Dominic, like who's Dominic, what are your values and what you want people to remember you from, I think those are kind of the stories we try to tell. Um, In a sense of an athlete, I always think about people like certain people because of a few things that find themselves in them but also a few cool things that you're like oh that's cool and i always think about someone like yared and he's and tyro he's um <laughs> pet turtle his pet turtle um, and how you know he loves filler swift and all these are like, very endearing things on top of how an incredible runner he is so people remember him for those yes, for his accolades, and he's a really fast runner, and he has American records, but also he's fun and has this turtle, and, like, he shows his personality in a different way, so how can we make people fall in love with that as well, Um, and you think about, you know, even with F1, I think it's a great example, like, you start, like, learning about these drivers, and you like them because they're funny, or they have, like, certain things that you kind of see yourself in them, or, like, you want to be a little bit more like them, so, like, how we're telling that part of their dna to in a way not the public or like to their fans how we want them to be remembered by uh, so we when i talk about storytelling for on for example it's like we want to create on as like a performance innovation brand first so how we telling that to our fans like through the shoe what kind of aspects of the shoe what kind of aspects of the apparel what kind of athletes we work with um, we are a pretty I think our whole team is pretty cool and nice. We all have good vibes. Like everyone is helping each other. So we want that to be translated to outside of the company as well. So how are we telling that to people that are watching our Instagram or watching our athletes or get to hang out with us at an event? What we want them to leave feeling like, or we want, what I want Dominic to feel like when you watch our latest reel, you know, like what are those things that we are translating and how does that look like? Um, and that can be done many different ways, but that's kind of what I think about when we, when I say storytelling for an athlete or a campaign shoe, like, you know, we're launching a shoe and that kind of stuff.
0: How critical do you think the OAC and their growth has been to the growth of the brand specifically from the performance marketing standpoint of tapping into the serious runner? And as we were talking about taking a shoe that wasn't really looked as like a great running shoe into like, even now, yeah, like you were saying, you go anywhere and runners of all kinds are wearing the shoes. So how critical do you think the OAC has been to that?
1: I think that OAC and like our athletes have been super critical to validate technology of the shoe i think without them would be really hard for us to say it is a really fast shoe because you know an everyday person like me is wearing it um i think the company was going to grow either way and i think they have helped us grow it even faster and establish ourselves as a very performance company first um i think they're great people to yet to validate the product and to tell that story i think obviously without them, that is really hard to say, we have a fast shoe <laughs> or apparel is great. It's like really, really hard to tell the story. So they'll definitely help on that, you know, very dedicated niche of runners that they now see the shoe and the shoes and hopefully the apparel as like something they want to wear for the next race. And they want to spend their money on our product to at least be curious and try it. Um, and then, you know, like okay i want to. and even when we work with like people like you or like reviewers on youtube like i love watching Kafutsi videos or like tommy runs on instagram even when we work with them it's so much easier for me to say this shoe is a great long distance training shoe because all the it. said you know like it makes it so much easier to validate the use of of that specific product um and they're just like fun people to watch race right? so i think all of them are quite different and similar at the same time. And they have a really, as an always see team per se, they have a really cool dynamic between them. And I think it's pretty cool just to see them interact with each other and see them perform at races. And, you know, they're going to New York to cheer for Helen. I feel like that was very wholesome and cute. And like, that really brings another aspect of teammates that we haven't seen much in other, in other groups maybe, or like, we don't see that a lot in other sports. So like, how can we, you know, they help us to tell tell that a little bit and um yeah because they're huge validators without them it makes our job really hard to tell that you know tell the the people that the product is good um so they've been instrumental to the growth of the on their performance side for sure and also validating everything that we're doing
0: as someone who has a background in social media and communication what is your thoughts and opinions on you kind of alluded to it there but like the oac and on athletes being very Vocal and out there on social media or like even you know with the three guys on the oac like starting a podcast or whatever It might be it's got to be like a dream scenario from your perspective to see them Utilize the platforms that the average everyday consumer is using versus and i'm unbiased here I love all sorts of athletes have them all on the podcast But so many I feel like professional running teams are massively missing out on the gap between You know consumer and the athlete and the athletes all have such incredible stories but very few actually kind of document their journey, tell it, say it, and I feel like the OAC has kind of set themselves apart. And like, on is clearly investing into it with like hiring Colin to like shoot content for all the athletes and and whatnot. So, what's your opinion on that? As someone who has a background in social media, even separate from the brand,
1: yeah, I think you're you're spot on. Like, if they're not doing it, they're missing out. I think as a young person in as a pro person or like any in any sport, like even looking at Travis Kelsey going it's like this past six months have been even crazier to see him everywhere. But like as someone like him, he understands that his world at the NFL is going to end one day, right? So like, how can you almost capitalize the moment that you have now to keep your brand for the long term? And we think about Michael Jordan doing the same thing, David Beckham doing those things too. Like how are you doing more stuff outside of your everyday to get to people, to get to know you as a person and know for the brand that you're wearing because hopefully this never happens. But one day, some of the athletes might move on to someone else, to other teams. And you want your fans to follow you for you and not for the brand that you are wearing, right? So like you are really thinking about you and your story. You have control. It's the first time in history that people have control over their own voice. You're not letting a journalist or someone else telling that story for you. So you might as well take over that and have ownership of who you are there's obviously ways to get better at what you're saying and be careful what you put online it's there forever so kind of double think about that but I think we got very lucky to have very cool athletes or very great athletes that they like to share their life as well a little bit online and everyone is a bit different some of them have been more cautious in what they say and they don't say and like that kind of stuff I think when you stop sharing, and when you are very closed doors, and we see them from other teams and other sports, the question starts rising that right. So like when you see bad news, then you're like, of course, we never saw anything, you don't have you're very closed doors, So you really start people start questioning about what you're doing behind the scenes. And if you are upfront with it, at least you're choosing what you're saying and how you're saying it and you leave little for interpretation or for see what happens, you know, like people like saying the wrong thing. Um, but I think it's great. I think every athlete is different, But like, I think if you have control over your own voice, and you can control what you're saying, and your story, it's so much better than let someone do it for you. Um, yeah, I think the more they do it the better, I think. Um, as companies grow, things might change. And there might be things that, you know, they might have to keep private a little bit more. Uh, but at, at least for my eyes and a lot of my teammates, we're very like, we support you as a person first and super cool that you're winning things. But that's not the first thing that we're thinking of. Like, we want to support you. And like, we love the coffee club. I think they're great. Uh, we try to elevate them as much as we can and they, as much as they let us as well because it's just their project. So we will be so supportive, uh, whatever they want to do. And yeah, we hire. I mean, Colin is a great example. We have another photographer in Europe, Leah. She's amazing. Um, she's creating content all the time for our OEC Europe. And we're trying to replicate the same things on Oceania and also for other individual athletes too that they need. Um, they want content and they want to help with. So we we're, we're supporting them as much as we can.
0: What you said about people assuming the worst, it reminded me of your colleague and my friend, mutual friend, Andy Weeding. He had this great saying. Uh, he said... Like what people don't see, they assume the worst. So we try to display everything. And I, hit, I think that hits the nail on the head. So um, I love you talking about that. One thing I am curious to hear about without you revealing uh, on strategies, because I know you can't, nor do I want you to. Um, I'm curious, how do you balance? I, I feel like with the ride, I mean, Nike has always been at the top. And then we started to see all sorts of different running shoe companies pop out of nowhere. I feel like, you know, 10 years ago, it was like Brooks and Saucony were growing and New Balance a little bit. Uh, they've been around for a while. And then I feel like recently it's been Hoka and On. And I think something that's been interesting with both Hoka and On, but we'll speak specifically to On here, is they transcend the sport. And like doctors wear On and Hoka and like all sorts of different people wear the shoes outside of serious runners, even though it is a competitive running shoe company so how do you balance from a strategic standpoint the focus on the serious athlete as well as the person who just wants a nice pair of shoes and doesn't even think about running
1: yeah that's a great question uh i mean we cannot control who's buying our shoes (laughs) that's number one so i think people go gravitate towards on shoes because they're comfortable um they're comfortable to stand on all day um i think the design is pretty cool since on is a very performance innovation and design company first. I think a lot of the design tends to be thought about a lot. Kind of when you think about an iPhone or a Tesla, they look cool, but they also perform, right? So like you have both. Um, We do have obviously focuses for the year and we have certain things that we want to focus more. Um, So you probably have seen those this year. Um, Runner running and runners are like our one of our main focuses. So we spend a lot of our strategy time and effort and um, budgets into that. Um, the whole company mission is to ignite the human spirit through movement. So we're not saying we want you to run. We're saying we want to support whatever you choose to do. Um, and a lot of the strategies and content that you will see will talk about that. Uh, we champion the everyday runner a lot. I think there's a lot of stories that get lost through through the weave of things like pro runners are incredible, but I think there's everyday runners that make most of the industry. Like we just spoke about the New York, uh, New York City Marathon, like 50,000 people are running it. I bet you like only about 1% is doing sub threes, you know, or like sub 240s. Most of the bulk of people are doing it for fun. And that's kind of who we are talking to. Who are those people that have a full-time job might have kids or go to work and you know they're still lacing their shoes and going up for a run around the neighborhood and they're putting that as like their priority so we really want to talk to them a lot of our influencer partnerships speak about that too i mean jakey cho is like one of our best examples he's you know content creator he talks about food and highlights smaller shops in new york um restaurants and but he's also a runner and i don't I think traditionally people don't think of him as a runner, but we do, we wanna support him as a whole through his running journey, but also through his like food content creation, right? Like who we're supporting that is just more than PRs and numbers. Um, So that's a lot of things that we think about when we're creating our strategy and how we divide. Um, Our pros are also a big like focus for us, but also in the middle and the back of the pack, our focus too, we want to champion everyone and we want to inspire people to move, whatever that is. Like, if you want to dance, you dance. We had like an amazing dance performance in New York during the New York City Marathon. Like, do you want to walk? Go for a walk. Like, we have the product for you. We don't, like, the product should not be, like, the product should, like, help you live that life instead of, like, you know, putting it, like, a stop to it. So, we don't want people to think about, oh, they're just running shoes. Like, they're also for whatever you want to do. Um, so yeah, we have like different categories that we focus. Um, we have focus in 2023, 2024 as well. So we kind of divide efforts through that. Um a lot of people don't know, but we have a really small team. (laughs) So we try to do as much as we can with our tiny, tiny team. Um yeah, that we that we got.
0: How do you see on growing in the coming years, the next five years, and how do you see yourself growing with the company and I'm curious like do you envision yourself working with on for the rest of your life are there personal things you want to start like what are your Mm -hmm. thoughts and ambitions around what your passions are and goals personally and how that either aligns with on or maybe doesn't
1: yeah I I was joking about this this morning but I say this a lot um I'll be at on until they kick me out (laughs) uh until they're like you're done I'll, I'll I'll be gone no I I think the company has a lot of potential I think we're just scratching the surface um I think it's such as we have such a small market share still and there's so much to grow like there's so much to go to um I mean I think we've been very successful in North America especially the U.S. in the past like few years but there's still so much to do in the U.S. alone um we're growing in Latin America and the Caribbean a lot so I think those are a lot of countries that have massive potential um they I mean Europe in general still has a lot of potential in like Germany and like, I know our UK counterparts, their business is also booming, we're opening a bunch of stores. Um, and then Asia is like a huge focus as well. Um, also growing by the minute in China and Japan. So I think on it's not going anywhere. Uh, I think people are going to see it even more and more and more. Um, and we're just growing with it too. I think the whole team is just focused on growing the business. Um, and Put in the apparel and shoes and everyone um uh, the moves every day um i think my for myself i mean i've always been very entrepreneurial so you never know what i do on the side i think that's something that will keep evolving um right now i'm trying to find ways to be creative in different ways so like i picked up a film camera i want to learn how to take film photos and get really good at that just for fun um i'm very lucky that i get to travel to pretty cool places so i would love to keep like, you know, taking photos of those places and like documenting those travels. I, I love traveling, maybe one day I'll have my travel agency, who knows? Uh, that's like my, my biggest like, yeah, that's like, I love that. That's like my favorite part of my job, like traveling everywhere. Um, and just my everyday life. Um, and I don't know, you never know, we might move to a different place. Who knows? There's nothing in stone. I feel like I've learned a lot to be flexible and to kind of evolve with things that you are, I mean, three years ago, I didn't think I was going to be at on at all. Like that was, that was not my goal at all. And it has been like the coolest experience and the coolest opportunity I've ever had. And I, I'm going to grab into that as much as I can. Um, so you never know. There's a lot, it's a lot of opportunities.
0: What do you think are the biggest lessons off the top of your head that your career at on and even before that have taught you?
1: Uh, flexibility, Be flexible things change all the time. I think, yeah, be flexible with your own goals i think having an idea of what you want to do is great but life is going to throw you different things so be ready to change and adapt um i think being curious is a huge one learning all the time like be a student and i know this is a very cliche and i've read this a million times but it's true like ask questions don't assume things Like I don't assume that because someone looks like some different thing, you might think they are X and Y set thing. No, like ask questions, be curious, learn about people's backgrounds, learn people's stories, how they set it in places, uh, and just learn all the time. I think there's so much to learn in every industry and how to take it to new industries as well. Um, and I think the third one, I don't know, just have fun. Life is short. Have fun, be nice. I think being nice is the biggest one, I think we think the corporate world is this crazy thing. But like, if you are nice, people are nice to you and you get cool things, like just be nice to everyone. Um, A smile goes a long way. Just be lovely to everyone. I think not assuming is the biggest one for me. Don't assume things, Um, be kind.
0: In relation to you talking about being curious and asking questions, it reminded me of a quote I came across a few months ago that makes me chuckle, but I do think it's true. The quote was, "The person who asks is a fool for five minutes, but the person who does not ask remains a fool forever
1: It's so true though it's so true. I think everyone should just be curious and ask a bunch of questions all the time like I think someone, I mean, you're a, a great interviewer, but what makes someone really good interviewer or like having a conversation with someone is about being curious and asking those questions. It makes you interesting as well. And you learn so much by listening to other people. Like you can pick up so much from everyone and how you can integrate that to yourself and put it into practice. Um, I mean, at the beginning, you said like that you need a college degree for this. Sometimes you might not because you can just learn by listening and then doing right but like you have to be an active listener like actually reading and be curious I mean I go in deep dives all the time of like I, I think when I first started out, on I spent like hours just reading like reading about running and like every athlete I want to know everything and it's like deep dives on it and like just asking questions to Andy weeding a million times like what does that mean what is this you know like all doesn't mean that you have to be a know at all but you can learn and um, just ask questions be curious totally totally i yeah. feel like
0: i could have an hour-long discussion with anyone surrounding going to college or not but i feel pretty strongly uh that you don't need it in a lot of professions i think for like if you okay. want to be a lawyer or a doctor of course you need it but to your point i think you're a great example of like you that the information is out there you simply have to be the type of person that's going to take the action to learn the thing, um, to get good at the thing. And, and that's the other thing, like you get good at the work by doing the work. Like I was so bad at podcasting at first, so bad, <laughs> or even marketing on social media, like just horrible. I laugh at it now, but I needed to go through that phase to get better at it. And then the other thing I was thinking there while you were talking in relation to, to listening and being curious, uh, another saying I came across that made me think deeply and I think it's so true is so many people listen to reply, but they don't listen to understand and i think that's such a big thing in society today Is we always want the first word or uh reply right away and say stuff but it's like how often are we actually mindful of the words that are coming out of our mouth and truly seeking to understand the person that is talking rather than to reply specifically in situations of, of conflict i think so often we respond reactively rather than intentionally thinking through our thoughts and responding um uh, with our thoughts uh-
1: I agree 100% on all of it. I was talking to my colleague the other day. He's um he's on my team and we got this inquiry from someone and I was like just because someone is asking us a question doesn't mean we have to reply. Just because someone asks you a question doesn't mean you have to reply to them. You can say no or you can just say something else. You don't you're not forced to reply to things. You don't have to react to them. You can simply, you know, obviously for work you have to Give a nice no and say this is not the opportunity we want right now. That's fair. But like in an every day, like you don't have to react to things all the time. You can just just stay quiet. You don't. There's nothing. Nothing's gonna happen. <laughs> you know, like it's fine. Right. You can just not react to it. And I think that's that's the hardest to learn from someone like me. They like to talk a lot, and I love people and having conversations. So it's like a skill that you need to practice. And I'm not good at it. And you have to learn it. And As you said do it a million times and cutting yourself and be like yeah do that again let me pull back a little bit it's like a lot of practice and um self-awareness i think that's the hardest for everyone including me like it's you know it's hard to be self-aware sometimes so how you're practicing that every day is quite quite important um and also learning when to speak up like there might be Mm. times when you actually have to say something and kind of asking yourself why and what you're going to say. And I think it goes back to be nice and be kind, just because you're reacting to something doesn't mean that you have to react in a strong way or like mean way. It can be a kind feedback, you know, Like you can still speak up and give your message without being rude. And I think especially if anyone listening is really young, anything that you do now can affect you in ten years. So build relationships now for the future, do not burn bridges, never burn bridges, that's never you want to do that, and just think about the person first and the relationship first and know what you're going to get out of it. So like think about in the future, you know, this is for life. The industry is really small. If you want to stay in the running industry, the same people for a while, like you're going to work with them all the time, so might as well have a good time, be nice and think about what you say before you
0: speak, <laughs> Anna. You've unlocked uh, quote Dominic. I've got two more for you off of uh, okay. off of what you were talking about there about about not responding. Um, you definitely unlocked me because uh, I'm about to bring up a Drake lyric, which means we got really deep. And Drake had one of my favorite songs by Drake. He he has this great saying where he goes, "A wise man once said nothing at all," um, and the whole concept of like, yeah, you don't you don't need to say things, and a lot of times that shows that you are wise when you have the ability and the Consciousness to know that saying something might not be the best in that situation, and then going thousands of years before Drake to one of the Stoics—I'm forgetting if who it was—Seneca or Epictetus or Marcus Aurelius, one of them—but uh, they said you always have the option of having no opinion which is really interesting. And I think it's it was very fundamental for me because I feel like I grew up and the people I was around, I was always expected to give my take on whatever it was, um, on a range of subjects. And there's so many things that I don't have all the facts about that I really shouldn't have an opinion on. Um, and so that's one of my favorite things that's super hard is like, when someone asks me something, I'm like, I'm sorry, I don't know enough about this to give an opinion. Um, which Yeah, is I
1: think that's great. We do media trainings at work, and that's one thing that we always tell our athletes: like, you don't have to respond to that. You can say, "I don't." That's nothing. me I. I don't. I don't know about that, but I can tell you about this. You know, like, mm-hmm. but I can refer to this. So, yeah, you're spot on. I think you're entitled to your opinion. Um, someone that I think does a really good job in the running industry and um is Chris Chavez. I think he has an incredible way to be friendly with everyone and work with everyone and listen and give his opinion in a calm way. Like, I think he's just an incredible um, an incredible person in the industry. And I think uh, obviously you can tell because he has a very heavy journalist in background. So he's probably doing a lot of you know, research beforehand and everything. But um, yeah, I think he's one of the, the people that every time I talk to him, I'm like, oh, I need to be more like that. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good. <laughs> Uh, I think it's great and you're doing a great job too. I think, um, as you say, all the practice that you've been doing and, um, getting to where you are now, is just labor of work and like doing it a million times. And, you know, I think you're, you're, you're great.
0: I appreciate it. Well, wrapping up this conversation, one final serious question for you, for those who have listened to our conversation are inspired by you and your story. What would be the final takeaway message you want to leave with our audience today?
1: Oof, that's a hard one, Dominic. Uh. I I think just the final one is just try new things and be curious. I when I was 21 coming out of college, I thought my life was going to be very different than what it is now, Um, and I'm so happy I did. I wasn't like really hard on what I wanted, and I was able to try a lot of different things and figure out what I didn't like, like I still don't know what I want to do in the next 10 years, that's still evolving, and it might change, but I know what I don't want. And I think that's huge. And that came from trying a lot of things and doing being a beginner a million times, I think that's the most important thing, be curious and try a lot of things. So if anyone's feeling lost, life is meaningless right now, just go and try something, you know, be new at something, go for a coffee with someone, you know, there are many times I've sent like a DM on Instagram to meet with people. They now are global head of marketing somewhere. Like it's, they might, they might not reply and that's fine. Just like go and be curious, talk to people, try new things and life is going to be okay. <laughs> have fun as well. Just go and have fun.
0: On uh, the final question I ask every single guest on every single episode, if you had Gordon Ramsey coming over to your house for dinner, what would you choose to make for him?
1: For him, yeah, oh, he should cook for me. <laughs> uh, god, I'm not a really good cook. Well, actually, I just made this um soup the past weeks that my husband really likes. It's like a mushroom wild rice creamy soup. I'll probably make that for him. I think he will like it.
0: I like it. It sounds good to me. It sounds good to me. I guess one, sure. one final, final question for you that I've been asking uh, some of the people on the podcast recently, um, as we're. Entering into holiday season, as displayed by our conversation about Thanksgiving to kick things off, we'll end on a holiday discussion. I want to get your opinion on this. When can someone start listening to Christmas music? What's your take on this?
1: (laughs) Whenever they want. I, I don't listen to Christmas music, but they can do whatever they want. They can start listening in October if they want. In August, if they, that's what they like, I don't care. They go and do what makes you happy, you know. That's well, that's my story for them.
0: Do it. I'm pretty sure that's Yard's take because I talked to Mario, and apparently, him and uh, Yard were getting after it. Mario is very strict after Thanksgiving, and uh, Yard apparently is whenever. I think I think I'm getting those takes right. So
1: that sounds about right, though. Yeah,
0: it does. It really does <laughs> <laughs> matches the personalities. Well, Anna, I greatly appreciate your time. Uh, you taking the time to tell your story and give me an inside look at what it looks like to be in the communication space. I appreciate it and looking forward to seeing all the things you'll accomplish in the years to come.
1: Thank you so much. It's been really fun.
0: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at The Running Effect. I hope you're running and life is going well I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.